this is Fam Electric Ghost, and we're live on the air with Dana Skaggs for the first time. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. What about yourself? It's a great morning in uh, New Hampshire, in the great state of New Hampshire. That's where we're uh, broadcasting from. And uh, th we're, this is going to actually be episode 914 of the podcast. And um, we're also on the Newsly platform. We're a featured podcast there. So if you use coupon code GHOST, you can receive one month free premium subscription. You can listen there. They do an audio conversion of the podcast. And um, if you use coupon code GHOST, you get one month premium subscription. And uh, yeah, we're just happy to be here. We've been around since 2016. We like to talk to all types of people. And uh, for those of you just listening, we have a website up there, HTTPS. Uh, danaskags.com and uh, we always encourage people to click on that it will be clickable when we're fully published so maybe at the beginning like uh, danaskags.com if people go there what do they find well recently i've expanded my business so if you go to danaskags.com what they'll find right now is a lot of information about my online boundaries courses there's also a, a quiz they can take because they might be thinking, I don't know, if, do I have boundary issues? And I, I mentioned boundaries because I'm known as the boundaries queen. And so they're thinking, I don't know if I have boundary issues. And they're very, very prevalent. And because I'm a psychotherapist, I and I'll tell you more about that here in just a minute, how that kind of, you know, kind of played into all of this. But you can take a quiz on the website and you'll get a score and you'll get some feedback. And there's a bunch of tidbits that I offer, helpful tidbits. And there's also, I'm getting ready to go live with uh, some um, self-study courses. One is a smaller one and one is a larger one for maybe someone that doesn't want to participate in a group. And then I'm going to be offering group courses that are eight weeks long um, where I'm going to be meeting with someone once a week. The group probably at the maximum about seven. So we can have that time to really connect and get to know each other. And I teach, I've got video modules and teaching all about boundaries and helping them apply it. It's just, it's just amazing. Yeah, I think that's a good um, uh, type of uh, place to, to start from because that the whole topic of boundaries and why do they matter? You know, I think some people, they don't realize, you know, being a musician, we've run into it all the time. Like we do, a sh you know, because what happens with music is like a lot, sometimes our fans think we're talking to them directly. And so sometimes we, we show up at a concert in person, like doesn't have a boundaries and they, they end up in the green room and you're like, well, how'd they get here? And they're like, yeah, and, it, like, and they well. just think they have a right, right to be there. And then you're like, okay. <laughs> but they're like, are you, not, are, you, are you not like thinking like when they think you're talking directly to them. So you have to be concerned about the like, safety issues because sometimes people just don't know or they, mm -hmm. they, they come and approach you out of nowhere and you're like, okay. It's like, yeah, it's not something you, you had to think about as much, but yeah, there's sometimes, you know, a lot of artists I've talked to is like, wow, like some people don't, they don't know what's appropriate. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a really good example. The, the name of my course is called the freedom of no formula, because like the example that you're giving, and I could give a whole lot more, a lot of people feel uncomfortable just saying no. And once you have really good understanding of how boundaries work, you're comfortable. You don't have to get upset. You don't have to be confrontational. You don't have to be loud. And you can just say, no, this is not, can, you know, let me take you out of the green room. This is another place for you to go. This is not an appropriate place. That when you are very comfortable with your boundaries and you know what they are and you know how boundaries work, 
then you become very confident in yourself and very peaceful. And you feel like you can say no to any number of people in your life. And that's an excellent way of setting those boundaries with people with whoever you're interacting with. Yeah. I think even for yourself, like, like people don't set their own boundaries. No, like sometimes again, another example as a musician is like, sometimes we were such an open book that we can kind of damage ourselves. Like, because it's like you put so much out there and then you're like, Oh, I should have thought about the result. And if I'm not comfortable with it. Right. So sometimes artists will, will say so much about themselves and so much of them in the song that then they don't realize the impact of it in their, in their regular life. They did do it for the art and then they don't, you know, consider like, okay, well, people are thinking that's you and maybe mm -hmm. it's you, maybe it's not you. Maybe you were just telling a story. So then people like, you know, you, you expose yourself and are you comfortable? Some artists like, yeah, I'm totally comfortable with that. Other artists are like, oh, they didn't realize that they, they didn't set that boundary. And then they're kind of expected if that becomes a hit to repeat that all the time. And then it can be kind of damaging to themselves because they like, they didn't set a boundary and now there is an expectation in their own, in their work that they have to do it all the time. Yeah. And I, I really like the fact that you're talking about what the artist is thinking and feeling versus what other people are thinking, feeling and expecting, because as an artist, you can, you can say whatever you choose to say or not choose to say, what you don't have any control over is how someone else is going to think or feel about it. And so that is not you. Let me back up and say something that helps me to train people about boundaries is I use a yard analogy. So if you could imagine a typical suburban neighborhood and you've got yards and let's just imagine there's fencing in between the yards. Well, in your yard are your thoughts, your feelings and opinions and your actions, all of which you have a right to. And those belong to you to own and change as you want. What's in the other person's yard are their thoughts, their feelings and opinions and their actions, which we have no control over, nor do we have a responsibility for. And so sometimes we get mixed up in that and we don't we're not owning our own what's in our own yard. And we're overly concerned about someone else's what's in someone else's yard, what they're thinking with their feeling, like, let me give you an example back to what you said. Let's say if you had a, a musician who really felt strongly about, you know, he or she wanted to, to expose themselves and be vulnerable in a song. They just really felt that vibe. They just felt they just needed to do that. They were feeling that energy. Well, they did that. And then they get a certain reaction from other people. Well, that's interesting, but that reaction does not belong to the artist. That reaction mm -hmm. belongs to the listener. The artist did not create that reaction, even though the person listened to the artist and reacted a certain kind of way, that reaction comes from the listener and their background. The artist isn't responsible for that. And so understanding that line helps people to set boundaries better. Yeah, because I like a lot of people have said is like, you know, if you're a lot of creative people, I've talked to authors and film directors and musicians, and they're like, you know, how people interpret my work that's kind of like on, you know, that's how they see it. You know, like I might've had a vision, but it happens all the time. People, you know, misinterpret lyrics. They mm -hmm. think you said X and it's Y. Right. Like they heard something else and that's what they hear. That's what they feel. And that's how they see it. Uh -huh. And it's kind of like, you know, and a lot of artists will say, well, you know, my fans kind of own the song after I write it, they own it because they, that's how they feel it. You know, so I can't really worry about it. And, uh, 
you know, when you're when you're in a in a job, like sometimes software developers, they get personal. They feel they take it personal when somebody says twenty years later, "Well, this code's terrible," and they hear like, "Well, you know, that's what it was twenty years ago." Yeah. And it's like now the technology shifted. Like, you know, I don't own it; the company owns it. I it was like work for hires. Like, so you don't take it personal. Somebody has to replace it because mm -hmm. everything wears out. And they, but some people. They take it personal because why they can, they kind of feel that that's them, that, that that what they worked on is actually an extension of themselves. And then like, well, yeah, you can feel that way, but then it, it can cause damage if you don't really learn how to separate it. Oh, that's a hundred percent. You are absolutely true on that. There's a quote from Don Miguel Ruiz that says, "There's a tremendous amount of freedom that comes when we take nothing personally," and we don't really, we don't have to take anything personally. Someone else has a right to their thoughts and feelings that has nothing to do with us. And someone else has a right not to like us. Someone else has a right to not like our work. Someone else has a, has a right to, to not like this or that or what we did. They have a right to that. But that doesn't take away from what we wanted to do, what we started out to do and the quality of the work that we put out there because everybody's different. And you're going to you can go to to downtown, you go to the mall or whatever and pull 10 random strangers and have them listen to a song or show them a, a work of art. And you're going to get 10 different responses. So the question is, who's right? Yeah, that's always the big problem. Where I always work with artists as a producer is a lot of times people are scared to act. They're fearful of what people are going to like. Right. And so they're, they don't want to present something because they think they they don't know how people are going to take it or I think they're going to take it negatively. And what I find a lot of times is that piece they're so scared of is actually some, one of the best pieces they've ever done. Mm -hmm. And it's trying to get them to feel, feel more comfortable showing that instead of trying to do something that they're comparing themselves to somebody else. Oh, that's, so that's huge. Yeah. So they're not putting out their original work. They're trying to kind of clone somebody else's work. And I said, well, you know, your original is better than this clone because it's you. Mm -hmm. You're not, you're not this other person. They're always going to be them. So you're never going to equal them exactly. So you're maybe going to be different, but if you want, want to be uniquely yourself, just be yourself. Yes. And, and that's nothing, you know, nobody else has that. Your voice, every human being's voice is, is different. Yes. And so the way you approach it, that's, that's you. And that's what's beautiful as a producer. I try to get people to realize making the best version of yourself. That's like the core. Mm -hmm. That's what I try to do. And other people say, well, no, I want to clone. Okay, fine. Clone. That's what you want to do. But, um, <laughs> you know, if I, I, I want people, people want to be self-expressive and they want to be their own person. The reason why are they singing? You know, why are they doing this? Because they want to get it out in the world. You know, mm -hmm. so it's just a matter of like, how comfortable are you? And it's, it, to me, it's like, it's always hard to do something. Like that, that, like if you're trying to do something unique, people like you said, people are going to hate it. Mm -hmm. They're going to be haters. Gonna be people, people like it, and it could be yes. ninety percent of people hate it, you know. But then you know, ten percent don't, and then you get opportunities. And if you never put it out there, you never get the opportunity. That's so. right. I mean, I think just like you're saying, in order for someone to be authentic, in order for someone to be honoring of their unique self, they've got to be able to have the strength and the boundaries to put it out there, realizing that they they're honoring themselves and they're putting it out there. But yes, there are going to be people that don't like it. And 
you know, I, I work this with my, my uh, patients a lot. So being a psychotherapist, I've been one for 15 years. And that's one of the things that we address a lot of the time. They're scared to death. Oh my gosh, if I say this, if I do this, if I put this out there, then someone is not going to like it. And I like, and I look at them straight in the face and I said, you're right. Someone is not going to like it. And so what? Yeah. Somebody, you know, <laughs> how, how they respond is not your business. You know, your, your business is what's in your yard and honoring that and really putting that out there in the best way that you can. Yes, there are going to be people that don't like what you do, that don't like what you say, that criticize you, that judge you. Yes, those people are going to be out there. They're always going to be out there. So what? When you have boundaries, you can let that stay in their yard and you and you give them the right to have their own opinions and you go forward with your own opinions because you have just as much right to go out there. And if somebody else doesn't like it, okay, they don't like it. And? Yeah. Well, it's like the idea of like staying in the moment because I think some people are always competing with the past. Like, like so they're looking to like, okay, my, my parents told me this, my grandparents told me that, my spiritual leader told me this. And then uh, like thinking about all the stuff that they happened yesterday or the day before or whatever. And mm -hmm. then it's like having a hard time actually processing the moment because they keep on comparing it to the past, which I like find you can have a lesson learned. But if you keep on not being able to actually, like this is what I kind of I deal with people who are, you know, kind of like a musician that keeps on starting and stopping. And, and they keep on like trying to correct and trying to be perfect. And I'm like, like, just let it flow. Mm -hmm. Just kind of like trust yourself and let it flow. And they're so scared of like, oh, they're going to make a mistake. But the whole point in music is the happy accident has been a big part of like great pieces of art yeah. because people kind of just let it go. And it's like, oh, yeah, I did a bad key change. I did a bad timing change. I mean, I actually said something a little off wasn't perfect but like when they try to correct it you end up finding that the fourth take is better than the 99th even if yep. it has errors yeah like, the errors actually are okay because you know that's what makes art the fact that it's not perfect the imperfections are part of the art that's it that's it the imperfections and that just the acceptance of who we are as individuals and the acceptance of our walk our journeys I mean, I've talked to, I've walked with so many people and we're all on different paths. And not only that, but each path has a different leg. You can be on this leg of your journey. That's going to be very different from the leg you're on next month or next year or the year after that. And what I'm hearing you say, and it's very important, is just to be very honoring of that. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're feeling, whatever's in your life, just be honoring of that. And, and what, what is a mistake really? Yeah. What what is that? What does it mean to fail? I don't even really under, I know what that means, really. Yeah, because it's like there's like like Victor Wooden is a famous bass player. He was having a master master class, and he basically went through multiple scales with the same pattern. It's like you could say I'm hitting wrong notes, and I'm I'm crossing scales, but my intention as an artist, I've got this pattern, and I can make it work no matter what the notes are. Mm -hmm. So that shows you like there are no, his whole point to the class was there are no bad notes. Yes. There, they, I can actually get it to work and how I can kind of respond and play, play off what is a perceived mistake, you know, as a musician, it's like not having to stop the whole concert because I hit the wrong note is I, I kind of am able to rebound off of it. I'm able to kind of, you know, go to another direction and yeah, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of just recover. 
from it or actually go to a different uh, point. And it's like, oh, yeah, this, so that's how do you do that? Well, it's kind of like living life. You don't know what's coming. It's how you respond to it. Are you going to totally like not know what to do and it freeze up? Or are you going to learn how to go kind of with the flow and react to it in, in, a, in a positive way? Yeah, a hundred percent. And added to that is that all of us are, we all know that we're faulty. We all know that. And so we end up being attracted to faults in other people because we resonate with that. We're like, oh my gosh, thank God I'm not the only one. You know, when we see someone else make a, whatever we call a mistake, I'm putting mistakes in quotes because when we see them making a mistake, we're like, oh, you're my person. You're my person because thank God I'm not the only one making mistakes. And so then you resonate with that person. You feel connected to them because you're like, okay, we're just human beings on this, on this path. And we can, we can connect together. That's one of the things that I put on my, my podcast, Phoenix and Flame. It's all about just realize, let's be real. Let's acknowledge what our faults are. Let's acknowledge when we make mistakes and, and kind of pull together as a community. So it's like, what is a mistake really? But the whole idea of having a live podcast versus a recorded, heavily edited podcast. Yeah. And when I first started in 2016, I tried with edited and I said, well, you know, if I keep on doing these edited ones, I can't do as many podcasts. That's true. I can't talk to me as many people. So you thought, you know what? I'm going to live with, you know, moments where there could be mistakes or something like a glitch and just live with it and say, I want to be able to reach more, uh, talk to more people. Mm-hmm. I kind of like the idea of having a real conversation. And if I get it to a point where people can go and say, Hey, I don't want that in the podcast. I want to edit it. And I said, well, no, I don't want to spend my time editing. I, cause I, I made a choice. It's like, you know, I don't want to, I found it like it's too much time going and getting approvals. Or do you approve this? Do you approve that? And I was like, eh, I don't want I don't want to go down that road. Let, let's be real and just talk. Yep. And, and then people are like, so I've run into some people that don't want to be guests because they do want to control. They, they want to control like every moment and they're like, okay, well, I don't do it that way. So I guess we're not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Move <laughs> on. I, I do it that way. So it's like, okay. It's like, okay. <laughs> I mean, life is messy, right? Yeah. Life is messy. And I think you talk about artists and, and people that are being creative. That is representing real life. I think people, when they hear a song or when they look at a, a sculpture, they look at a painting, they read a book they're wanting to resonate with something that they feel in their soul. And we all know that life is messy. And I, when we can accept that and just, and just go forward mm-hmm. with that and honor that, then the fear goes way, way down. I did yeah. want to, I mean, my whole wanna, thing is like, yeah, go ahead. Um, well, I want to change topics a little bit because I want to bring up something. So if you wanted to say something about what we just said, you go on ahead and I'll just switch over in a minute. Um, no, no, you can, you can, I, I'll bring it up after your point. Okay. You know, sometimes we have people in our life who are toxic and the toxic people, if we don't know how to set healthy boundaries with them, they can stall our creativity. They can cause it to dry up. They can cause it to curl up inside of us because we are so wrapped up in trying to deal with someone who's toxic. A toxic person in your life can be anybody. It can be a a family member. It can be a friend. It can be your spouse. It can be an adult child. It can be a coworker. It can be anybody. But 
when you have someone like that in your life, especially if someone has a lot of toxic traits like uh, gaslighting, manipulating, uh, emotional and verbal abuse, this kind of thing, it makes it very difficult to be open and free with your creativity because you, you get so much of your energy, your creative energy gets drained out in trying to deal with this toxic person. And I, one of the reasons why I know as much as I know about boundaries is because I had to do this in a relationship with my mother, which was a very hard thing to do. And she struggled and she still does with several pretty significant emotional issues that were, I'm just, I just want to say they're pretty severe. And it created a lot of inconsistency where I can have some really great memories, things that I remember her helping me tie my shoes. I remember her helping me to color and taking me to swimming lessons. And I have these wonderful, warm, fuzzy memories. And I also have some other memories that are bad. Things being, you know, called names, yelled at, things thrown at me, a lot of manipulative stuff, really in an environment that I felt responsible was kind of blamed for her emotions. If she wasn't happy, it was my fault. I was supposed to fix it and this kind of stuff. So going through that, decades of that, I had to learn boundaries or I was going to be annihilated. Mm -hmm. And I know that if I didn't set healthy boundaries in that relationship, I could not have been able to accomplish the things that I've done. And I've run across uh, like patients and also, well, newer patients that are coming in as well, people that have a lot of guilt from these relationships and they don't know how to set the boundaries. And so because they feel so guilty, they're always sucked in to that manipulation and that abuse. And because they're doing that, their energy that they should be spending on creative things gets sucked over to this toxic relationship and it's not good. And this is one of the reasons why I'm so, so passionate about helping people learn boundaries so they can go forward in life and be their full self. Yeah. You don't want to be stuck in that kind of codependency. And a lot of people, you know, they feel obligation to their parents or their grandparents or family members and they'll, they'll stay and they'll say, well, you know, I, they, they'll, they'll have this, like, well, I can split up with a significant other, but I can't split up with my grandma or my grandparents or, you know, or my, you know, my, my mother, you know, mm -hmm. my dad, because that, that's all that's family. But if they're toxic and they're hurting you and they're stopping you, I ran into that with my family. I had into a situation where, you know, I had a parent that was being kind of toxic and it was causing me to spend a lot of time, a lot of energy and it wasn't productive. Mm -mm. And I was like, you know, and other people in my family were putting pressure on me. So oh, you should, you have to come to the, the Christmas um, dinner and you have to come to Thanksgiving. I'm like, I don't feel good about it, you know? And I did it when I had, you know, when I was younger and I felt like I was obligated, but now, now I'm like, I'm 55. It's like, I don't feel like I want to do that. I want to bring my daughter into that. Mm -hmm. I, I just didn't want to do it. And That's I, it. I, I explained to people, it's like, hey, you know, it's not, doesn't, it doesn't help me. And, and I don't think it's going to help my daughter either. So, you know, so I, I made a decision and I, you know, I got to be the bad guy. Go, mm -hmm. oh, what's he doing? What's he doing? But it's like, you know, mm -hmm. you got to, I can't worry about that because no. there's other things I was able to kind of focus on. Like what, what we're doing right now. <laughs> well, that's what my point is, but you were able to do that. And it's like, if you can, 
if it's someone who's a significant other, like a girlfriend, boyfriend, whoever, and you can walk away, but that's why boundaries are so important and people in your life that you cannot physically necessarily walk away from in that regard. They're always going to be related to you, but you can have healthier relationship if you set boundaries. When you know that you have the right, like you said, if you want to go to that Christmas party, you have the right to say yes and you have the right to say no. And now what's going to happen when you say no, because I, I have a I have a doghouse in my backyard that people try to throw me in all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you right now, if you set and defend your boundaries, there's always going to be people who are going to be trying to make you feel bad, who are going to call you names, who are going to judge you and who are going to criticize you. That's going to happen. So just when that happens, don't be shocked. It happened to you. It happened to me. When you set those boundaries, there's going to be people around that say, shame on you. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. <laughs> well, they have a right to their opinion. They Okay, you can think that. But you know what? My opinion is different and I'm not coming. And that's why when my, my course is called the freedom of no formula, it's like mm -hmm. my answer is no, I'm not coming or I'm not doing that. And then how they feel about it, they feel about it. And that's a boundary. Yeah. It's hard for some people to to make that decision, you know, because because I had my like a brother. I said, "Well, I wish I could do that." I said, "Well, you don't wish about it; just do it." Mm -hmm. it and it's like it, it's harder than it seems because I, I I run into it all the time. You know, we're creatives; they 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 have these like ceilings, and it's like their own ceiling. Like they prevent themselves from getting to the next step because they're like they're in this like loop, and mm -hmm. they can't get out of the loop. And I'm like. Why it's hard? I guess each person has to know when they're ready to actually pull that, that make that decision. And you know, yeah. a lot of times it may, maybe they need to talk to somebody like you, or they need to go to a therapist, to go to a, you know, the, the life coach or whatever. They need to have. They can't do it on their own, or they haven't mm -hmm. been able to figure out how to do it on their own. So I think that's like like where people like yourself come in, where you know they give people strategies on how to actually start that journey. Oh, that's a, you have a very, very good point. Really setting and defending boundaries is, is simple to understand, but it's not easy to do because let me give you an example. Like I would imagine that probably so far today, you haven't put much thought about into your throat, thinking about your throat a whole lot. Have you thought about your throat a lot today? I mean, that's not something not we really. go around thinking about. <laughs> no. I mean, why would we? But if you had strep throat, you would think about it a lot. You would think about your throat several mm -hmm. times a day if you had strep throat. Why? Because it's in pain. So if you're in a relationship with healthy people, you don't really think about boundaries because they're naturally being set. Other people that are healthy naturally perceive your boundaries. They naturally respect your boundaries. And you do the same thing with the other person. You know, but if you're in a relationship with someone who's dysfunctional or toxic in some kind of way, it causes pain in the relationship and then you're aware of it. And so having to set when you're having to think about setting and defending boundaries, it's usually with people who are dysfunctional and that is not easy to do. So reaching out, like you said, to someone like me, at the very minimum, educating yourself about what. How, do they, how does this, what are boundaries and how do they work exactly? So at least when you go into these relationships, you're aware when someone is crossing the line 
And you're aware when you are crossing the line, like that's what codependency is. When you're crossing the line into someone else's yard and you're all worried about what they're thinking and what they're feeling and oh my gosh, you don't want them to be upset and all this kind of stuff. That isn't, you're in somebody else's yard. That's codependency. So learning about how it all works so you can see when you're kind of tilting sideways is humongous. Yeah, it's interesting because like there's another thing that I was looking at some of your, your bulleted questions and this idea of like intuitive thoughts to bullying your, your, yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, like, and I can see, and sometimes those thoughts might have come because like you had a mom or dad or grandparent that was like telling you uh, what they said was the truth, but it was a belief. So they said, like, you're never going to amount to anything. Mm-hmm. And you took that to be a truth, right? But it's really just a belief. That's not a truth. Right. Like, that's no. something that they said, and you took it to be true, but it's not. And mm-hmm. then it's it showing up every time you try to do something, you're in this loop. It's like, well, I'm not good enough. I, yes. I, you know, I'm not, because they told me I was never going to amount to nothing or I'm not going to get anywhere. And, you know, that, that, I think those, those intrusive thoughts, I run into that with creative people all the time. It's like, they get this thing stopping them. Mm-hmm. And they say, what, why is that stopping? You'd be surprised. Like these people that seem so like, wow, to get on stage and they're like, wow, how do they have that? But then, but off stage, they have all these mm. issues where they're not confident at all. The imposter syndrome and all yeah. that creeps yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. And so the day they, they, the second they go on stage, you're like, wow, they're so confident. And then they're off stage and they're like, wow. And it's like, this person doesn't even seem like the same person. Right. It's like, they see it's like a totally different person. It's like, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, it is a, how, how do you kind of level out a little bit? <laughs> yeah, because but, see, when they're on stage, they're, I would imagine on some level, they're free from the intrusive thoughts because they're, they're in the moment. They're playing their music. They're doing their thing. They're, they're, they're looking at the audience. They're feeding off the energy from the audience. It's, it's sort of like a, a safe space. But when they step off the stage and they put the instruments down and they walk away from the microphone, they walk away from all the fans, then they're standing there. And guess what's waiting for them? Their own thoughts and their own feelings. Mm. They were able to set those aside and go up on stage in this kind of sphere of safety. But then when they step down, there their feelings are again. And, but you're talking about the intrusive thoughts where somebody in their past has told them you're not worth anything. You're this, you're that, or you're never going to do. That's a boundary issue too, because everyone's entitled to their opinion, but you have to at some point figure out what's in your yard. What do you, what do you think? What are your thoughts? What, do mm-hmm. you think you're not going to amount to anything? And based on what, where does that belief come from? And kind of doing a challenge that. Yeah, because it can cause you to do this kind of like perfectionism to the extent that it becomes like a little bit um, dangerous to yourself because like you're just kind of just doing this repetitive thing that's beyond. Like, like you know, you go and do a thousand versions of a solo and the first five are really good. Like, why <laughs> why did you do a thousand? You know, because you didn't think they were good enough. And why didn't you think they were good enough? Because you still had this thing in your head telling you you're not good enough. So you got to go overdo it and like, you're overdoing it. It's like, why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, people don't see it, but you know, when you work with some people, you're like, wow, it's like, why are they so, and it's, it, sometimes it seems like it's too extreme and he's like, okay, well, that's, that's kind of who they are. And you have to kind of learn how to handle it. <laughs> yes, yes. But it's also trying to figure out, like you're pointing out what, what are those thoughts in their head? Is there something that's driving them? 
And the boundaries is figuring out how much of that belongs to you and how much, you know, if you're the one, if you're the person that's experiencing this angst, how much of this is yours and how much actually is somebody else's? Mm-hmm. you have to figure that out. Like when someone comes to see me for therapy and they come in the door and they start talking about all this stuff that's bothering them and how their life's just falling apart and their marriage is falling apart and they're, they're falling apart at work and they, all this is going on. The first thing we've got to figure out is, okay, here's all the stuff that's out all the pieces. How much of this actually belongs to you mm-hmm. and how much actually belongs to someone else? Because we cannot control what someone else wants to think, feel, and do, but we do get to control and change our own thoughts, our own feelings, and our own actions. And that's where we want to spend our time is in our own yard and get out of everybody else's. Yeah. Because if you can kind of get yourself, like I'm, I'm a Buddhist and I chant and meditate, do breathing exercises, and I find that it kind of levels me out. Like if I start getting anxious, or have any kind of anxiety, just taking that breathing exercise, kind of like Tai Chi, but, but it's like you sit there and you chant, you know, I'm a Nishra and Daishon and Buddhist, and we have these chants that come from our, you know, our practice. And it kind of like, it controls our breathing and controls like the stress levels we have. Yes, yes. And and you find a way to kind of focus. And we, we have like things where we actually, you know, verbalize our intentions. Right. So we have like, I want to feel good today. I want to do this thing. We actually speak it out. Could we have this belief? Like if we actually say it, we're going to make it more actualized. We're going to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and some people don't believe that. Cause they well, that's what, you know, but I think like your brain is so powerful. Oh, yes. That if you start to have more positivity and we have this idea of like, you know, this positive energy brings positive energy and negative energy brings negative energy. That's mm-hmm. just a law of cause and effect. This is concept. Yes. And whether you believe that or not, but the idea, if you're, if you're always thinking things are, you're pessimistic, then you kind of have a self-fulfilling prophecy. You think everything's going to go wrong, but if you start to believe that things can go right, then it seems you can actually start to make things happen in that more positive direction. And so I feel not that you can control everybody, like you can't control what's going to happen, but but you can, you can do what you can control yourself to a certain extent. <laughs> oh yeah. And I'm kind of interested in in your thoughts on when you are able to do your chanting and your breathing and you calm yourself down, do you find that you are less vulnerable to negative people around you when you're calmer, when your breathing is calm? Yeah. I think you start to look at things and you say, Hey, that's not me. That's them. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and you let it kind of roll off. You don't, you don't have that kind of road rage. Like if you're, if you like if somebody comes at you aggressive, you don't come back at them aggressive. Mm-hmm. You say, okay, they're, they're feeling bad today. They're feeling upset. They're anxious. They're, they're really kind of like, so you don't take it personal and say, Hey, that's them. That's it. You know? And, and you figure out it's really kind of like kind of the, the recovery. How do you recover from something that could be, a bad situation. If you keep on escalating, you know, know what somebody's going to do, you know, then the things go out of control because if two people get out of control, then what are you going to get? Chaos. You know, it's like if you start to be more, you know, it's like the thing about the, the Buddhist monk is like they, they kind of let it roll off. It's like what, what they, they're going to like, I'm just going to be peaceful. What, what you decide to do, if you decide not to be peaceful, that's, that's up to you. But I believe that that's what my approach should be. Cause that's you know, it. That, 
that's exactly your what you're talking about are boundaries because you're saying okay whatever the other person decides to do that's on them that's in their yard but in my yard i am choosing to stay calm and see we are responsible for our emotions that's our responsibility not only can we not only do we get to change these but we are responsible for them we need to own when we've done something that we don't really like so much or we would like to change we need to own it and say i did that and I'm going to change it. And so when we're able to calm ourselves down, we set that boundary. Because if we're, like you said, people going back and forth at each other, you know, anger and anger getting back and forth. If we're upset, if we've lost control of our emotions, then we're not in a position of control or power. People like to think when they make themselves real big and bad that the, the louder they scream, the deeper they their voice, the more they can cuss and carry on, that they look so huff and tough. At that point, they have lost control of themselves. Mm. They are not the one in control. If you are calm and you're you're using deep breathing and you have kept yourself calm between those two individuals, the calmer one is the stronger one. The calmer one is the one that is actually in control, not the one who is screaming and hollering and carrying on because that person has lost control of their emotions. Yeah, I kind of call it like a social judo. Like you let it, you, they, they come at you and you're you're bored. Like you're not offensive. You're just like learn how to be defensive in terms of like, I'm not going to do an outward action that's going to cause escalation. Right. I'm going to take your energy and kind of turn it into positivity. That's the way I look at like as a songwriter. If I feel upset, I'll go write a song and and talk about what I felt like. You know, if I feel sad, I'll go write a song. If I feel happy, I'll write a song. Because I like to take those emotions and turn them into art. Mm -hmm. And when I find creative people, they found a way to take those things and and turn it into a positive like a piece of art. Yes. Yeah. And and I find that that's like the art therapy. Like a lot of us find that where it's cathartic. Mm -hmm. To be a musician, whether or not I make any money off of the song, isn't the point. The point is, like, I did the song because I'm trying to work through something. Yes. If it happens to work out, and other people vibe on it, but I still benefited from that exercise or that project because I was working through something. Yes. And that, that's how I look at it. And I don't feel like a lot of things. You could, oh, you have all these failures. They're not failures. Every one of these pieces helped me get through something. Yeah. And some of them commercially did okay and some of them didn't. But it's like, you know, that wasn't the point. That's it. That's exactly right. I mean, you that's an excellent way of putting it. You're 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 processing your emotions. You're not getting stuck with them. You're processing them through. When I have patients that are creative, I always ask them, I said, why don't you write a song about this? Or why don't you write a poem about this? Or write a, why don't you draw a picture of what you're feeling or paint a picture of what you're feeling? you know, express it that way. And it's, it's amazing how that does help because we've got to face, feel and process what's going on with us. Cause if we don't, we're going to get stuck with it. It's going to be stuck inside our, our body and it doesn't our, our sometimes we have a lot of gastrointestinal issues. You see people with a lot of um, yeah. ul ulcerative colitis, IBS, GERD, I mean, fibromyalgia, all kinds of stuff because Things And I'm, I'm not saying that emotions are the sole cause of these things, but they definitely make them worse when we just we don't talk about them. We just we think, OK, if I don't talk about it, it's just going to evaporate. Well, that's not how that works. Yeah, because you might have been told 
that it's like bad to talk about it. Like yes. somebody could have told you in some practice or somebody told you because of some social moray. I was a sociology major and it's like, oh, you know, you're not supposed to reveal your anomie. You, sh you shouldn't reveal that because that makes you weak. No. You know, you can't talk about it because that makes you weak or you, you're, you, that's not, that's not going to get you closer to this or closer to that. You got to suffer through it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, that's not <laughs> it's like, so, uh, you know, I might've been taught, you know, with those things as a young person. And I kind of rejected it, you know, when I was in my teens, it's like, I don't like it. And I just like went off into something else because I didn't like what was being taught. And I, and everybody was like, well, why aren't you, why don't you come in the church anymore? I don't like it. And I didn't like what was happening. I was like, I, I went to a different direction and it was kind of like, I was the bad guy again, but I was like, I don't feel it. Right. I don't feel what's going on. So I, I was always willing to kind of do something other than what was being done around me. And people were like, why, why are you doing that? Said, well, because it feels right. For you. <laughs> yeah. You had your own, you had your own path and you were honoring that. There's so many people that struggle to do that because like you said, of people around them are doing different things and we compare so much. We compare our walk with someone else's walk and think I should be doing what they're doing. But according to whom, who said that we're all yeah. on a very unique journey. Every one of us, we're all on a different path and they're all separate. They're all individual and they're all unique. Yeah, it's just very hard because, you know, you, you sometimes you lose, you know, people around you. You know, yes. even even when I, like, I was, I'm a cancer survivor. I was age 27. Oh, wow. And, and and I had all these young friends around me, and, and it seemed like they kind of peeled off because I started to realize they didn't want to think about the mortality, that issue I was going through. Because mm. you're, you're under 30, and one of your friends is, you know, I got a level three. And, and I survived it. I'm 55. But it's like at the time I had some friends peel off and they just disappeared. And I had other people that they could handle it. But I was like, oh no, it's like they can't handle the idea that that could happen. And they're yeah. kind of to kind of seeing themselves in it, or they they just were too painful for them, they couldn't handle it. And I was like, well, fine, that that's where they go. But it was kind of like this moment where I realized also for me, there were things like I'm willing, I'm not gonna be fearful of things I I, I want to do. I'm gonna go and you know, I went to, I traveled to Japan. I lived in Japan. I, I started being more uh, expressive about what I wanted to do and had been scared about being up front. And now, you know, I'm doing music and, and actually being a podcaster and the, the, the pre-cancer version of me, I was so fear. I would never go on a mic. Mm, you know, I wow. would never be up front. I, I just became like a different person because it's like, why should I be scared of that? Yep. You know, once I survived, I said, all these things I was scared of. Why? That's it. That's it right there. <laughs> I mean, fear is, fear is huge. And you, know, you have so many people these days that talk about being anxious. I'm anxious. I'm anxious. Everybody's anxious, but actually fear is the father of anxiety. So if we are anxious about something, technically we are afraid of something. So being able to identify what exactly we are afraid of, so we can then challenge it and decide if, should I be afraid of this? Why? Like you said, why am I afraid of this particular thing? And then we can kind of deconstruct it, break it down, and then reconstruct something else without the fear. That's a really, really big deal. Now, I wanted to add something to something you said earlier about kind of a, 
energies and resonating. I've, I've had several guests on my podcast and interesting conversations about law of attraction and this kind of thing. And it is true that there's energy. You know, I know you you probably, especially being creative and people like us that have that, we kind of have a feel about people. You can walk in a room with someone and you just feel something. You don't know why. You can't put words to it, but you feel it, whether it's a really positive thing and you find yourself just kind of being drawn to them or whether it feels like an icky darkness that you just kind of find yourself just kind of going like this, like you don't even want to stand next to them, you know, <laughs> and you can't, you can't, you don't really know what's going on, but you feel it in your soul. And I feel like we do give out, you know, based on kind of what energy we're resonating on, whether it's positive because we're, we're being grateful and we're, we're, we're proactive, we're solution focused and this kind of stuff, or if we're wrapped up in a bunch of a pathology, because basically pathology attracts pathology, like dysfunction attracts dysfunction. I've seen it over and over and over again. I've seen it in my patients, how they will go out and, and dysfunctional people, like for example, a woman who has a lot of dysfunctional patterns, she will go out and I'm telling you, dysfunctional men are attracted to her like, like a magnet. I, mm-hmm. it's nuts, but healthy also attracts healthy. So when that same female starts to become strong and she starts to address her fears and confront her fears and accept herself, accept her faults and just be more free and open and accepting of herself. And she goes out into the world and she's resonating on a higher energy, a better energy, her vibration changes and she attracts healthy people. And the the ones that are dysfunctional aren't really, they're not magnetized to her anymore. And it's very, very interesting to watch. That's interesting because I'm a, I'm a synthesis. So what I mean is I deal with synthesizers that take waveforms, like ramp waves, pulse waves, sine waves, cosine waves, all, triangles, whatever. And I, as a, as a musician, I, I create sounds, right? And I create frequencies. And being in bands is like realizing what certain waveform frequencies do to audiences. Like, like when I, when you, you know, when you build rhythms and you build, uh, you know, melodies and you're using certain frequencies and certain tones, they actually can cause people to get very, you know, hyped up or they can get people to be kind of calm or people feel in certain situations, people feel kind of like, a, like an anthem. They feel like good. They feel very joyous. Mm-hmm. And you can see by the using these waveforms, because it's, it's really interesting that the sound has an effect. And yes. once you start to know what the sounds can do, you can you can kind of have an effect on the audience. We like with all the different frequencies that you're running, and it's like wow, it's like you can actually kind of predict. Like if I use these frequencies together with these beats, I'm going to get the crowd to be in this kind of state versus mm-hmm. this kind of state. Like there's like a punk rock state versus more in a, like a love song anthem, and everybody's putting the candles out. Why? Why does that happen? Like people get you know into the mosh pit, or people do this, or people do that, and you're like, wow, I can actually do do that. <laughs> yes, I, that's. I mean, that's exactly what we're talking about. And I feel like individuals have those waves inside. I think you know you have them in you, and I have them in me. And we are. I think we're. You know, you ha- you have people talk about auras, and and. Some people can see, they say they can see auras and other people talk about feeling 
yeah, feel auras. It. I feel like everybody does have those. I have definitely feel them myself. Um, and I know I give them off around other people, but it's kind of like when you're when you're functioning on a more positive level and having healthy boundaries helps you to do that because then you are owning and accepting what's in your yard, your thoughts, your feelings and your actions. You're not having to shift blame on anybody else because you're like, I know I'm not perfect. I, I did this. I not, you know, if I had another opportunity, I won't do it again. And I want to apologize for what I did. I did this and I feel like maybe you responded with some hurt because I said this to you. I own that because I know I'm not perfect and I'm sorry. And we can say that. And that's a beautiful thing. We don't have to be afraid of it. We don't have to shy away from it. We don't have to blame anybody else for it. We can own our own stuff and imagine for a moment what that would be like if everybody owned their own stuff instead of trying to shift blame on other people. It yeah, would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem is that people like, you know, if, if you're a person that's like, you know, channeling this really dark thing and then you say, Oh, I'm not responsible for that. And I'm kind of like, I tell like some of my musicians, but if you're channel channeling this like narcissistic, dark, really dark, dark thing, yes. then look at the, your crowd. Your crowd's doing the same thing. Mm. Right. And if you're channeling like a Stevie Wonder, really elevation type of thing, where love is in need of love today, right? Mm -hmm. You're channeling like a Bob Marley, really elevation thing. You see a different vibe. Yes. And yes. You can, and then you, then you get the artist and say, well, I'm not responsible for that. I say, are you not really? Because it seems like you are. Because it seems like if you channel it and you are the epicenter of it, you know, you kind of bring it around. It's like that person, mm -hmm. like you bring that to you. Mm -hmm. And then you, you don't take responsibility when you, you know, it's like, it's, you have to kind of understand. And some people would kind of like, are not, don't understand what they're doing. Yes, or, or that's maybe true. They do that is they don't true. Take, take, take ownership for it. So they think it's, oh, it's not, it's just this. And they don't see like, like the holistic, like cause and effect. So well, I yeah. can just do this. And it doesn't have an effect. Like words have an effect. If you say certain words, you can trigger certain behavior. Like yelling fire in the crowded room. They go, oh, I don't, I'm not responsible for that. Well, yes, you are. The law says you are. <laughs> so, 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 so it's like you could say, well, it's just words. It's like, well, you know, those are frequencies too. They mean things. Like yeah. people have to understand that like, oh, I, I'm not responsible for anything I do because it's whatever. It just happened. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, some things are unconscious, but you have to kind of think about like how much unconscious stuff do you do that actually is rooted in something? Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like when, when someone's willing to do something like go to therapy or, uh, you know, take a course, like one of the courses that I'm offering my boundaries courses and stuff and just educating, because that's one of the things that that's one why reason why I wanted to offer different courses, like a self-study and then a group course where somebody's with me in the group and but also they could do therapy. So it's kind of like people are different levels of wanting to learn. Some people want to just kind of do it on their own. They don't really want to be involved in a group. They just kind of want to, you know, let me just watch the videos on my own. Let me do the application questions on my own. I just want to just be kind of by myself. I'm just kind of wading slow into this. Mm -hmm. And other people want to be part of a small group where they can get to know and connect with other people and learn about it. Other people want to jump full in and do do therapy. But regardless of what somebody chooses, the educating and learning how how what you're doing is impacting yourself and impacting the world around you. 
so that you can see that you do have power, you do have control, and you do not have to own actually what someone else, what they choose to do if they want to blame you for it. Like, let's say if you said something to someone and, well, let me give you an example. Let's say that you interacted with someone, let's say you did, and come to find out you're interacting with a man whose wife just cheated on him with a guy who looked just like you. Oh, wow. Now you had no control over that, but he's, he's really angry with you. He's just, you're trying to be nice to him. You're trying to, you know, get some kind of relationship going and you just can't, he just seems to hate you. He won't even look at you. He's just being really gruff and really kind of snarky and, and critical. And then he acts like he holds a grudge. You can't seem to get anything going. So that's why it's good to understand boundaries there because you are only in charge of what you're doing. You're reviewing your behavior. Think, okay, I didn't, I didn't, I, I was nice. I interacted. I made good eye contact. I used a pleasant tone of voice. I was, I had good thoughts about this man. Meanwhile, what happened with his wife cheating on him with a man who looked just like you, you had no control over that. Yeah. You didn't cause oh, that. No, you can't control that. And clearly you can't cure it. So when you have boundaries, you let that go. You don't, you don't take it upon yourself. Like it's your fault that that man doesn't like you. You don't go home and like wring your hands going, what's wrong? What have I done? How come he doesn't like me? He's holding a grudge. He doesn't. You don't do that because that's his. And for some reason, unbeknownst to you, but there is a reason he doesn't like you. You can't win everybody. You know, you can't win everybody over. You know, some some people want to be such people pleasers to the extent that it's like, it's not healthy for themselves because not everybody's going to like you. No, you know, you know going and that's up okay. America, if I've been in America, I realize that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like that all the time. So, so it's like, yeah, I'm, I like you, you've got your own hang up. like, fine. There's always that. My whole thing is they don't bring it into my space for no reason. Like, you right. know, so like, like, fine, you can believe whatever you want, but like have your boundary, like don't come to my yard. <laughs> yeah, because when they're when they're in your yard, they're you know you have some say so there. Yeah, yeah. So that's like the boundary where sometimes people don't realize that you you walk in a room and then you get to feel like well these people suddenly they don't like me because I'm walking in a room. I'm, I live in New Hampshire, so you can get the get the idea. It's like like why? It's like I don't know why, but I feel valued. And I'm like okay, well that I, I gotta live with that. But it's like, I'm not going to try to people please everybody. It's like, fine, that's where your camp is. That's what, that's what you want. Right. And so as long as you don't get too personal in my space, that's fine. It's like, just, just leave it alone. I'm not going to go, well, what's your problem? Like, don't, don't, don't cause an issue if you don't need to. And, you know, a lot, a lot of things, I see escalations, you know, all the time. I was an Uber for oh. many years paying for, 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 for my gear. Yeah. And sometimes you get somebody in the car and they immediately want to get into some kind of confrontational conversation. Hmm. And I would just like, like not let it happen because they, they soon they get in the car and they want to, they want to say something. And it was like, well, fine. It's like, I'm not going to engage on that. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you've heard, I heard stories with other Ubers that said, well, I got in trouble. It's like, well, what, why did you, why did you take the bait? Exactly. Don't take the bait. Like, it's like, we're, we're just a taxi. Why you take the bait? If we can have a cool conversation, that's great. And I, you know, that was part of the job is to have, get the five star, have a cool conversation. But to some people, they didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. It's like, fine. If you don't want to do it, then I'm not going to engage. It's like, fine. You just be quiet and sit there. And and that's fine. 
you know, I don't have to engage if that's the way you want to be, but you kind of got to feel like you could feel the vibe. Yes. For certain people like, you know, dri driving as many uh, people as I did for five years, I, I start to got to get the feel for people. He's like, well, this is going to be an interesting ride. This is going to be a boring ride. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you're thinking about yards. Imagine if you had a neighbor who came over and you put a lot of effort into paint, you know, planting your flowers and your shrubs and your, your mulch and you were real proud of your yard and your neighbor came over and pulled your flowers up out of your yard because he didn't like them. <laughs> well, it's like, um, that's not what, you what know, you if, if you don't like these flowers, don't plant them in your yard. You can't come jerk them out of mine, but see, that's what sometimes people do. They try to tell us, you can't think that you can't feel that you can't do that because I don't like it. And that's mm -hmm. not, that's a boundary issue. Now there's another type yeah, of boundary right. issue where if you go, say you got a neighbor that likes to throw wild parties on Friday nights and it creates this big mess. And so Saturday morning you go over there and you clean up his yard because you're trying to do a random act of kindness, right? You know, you know, he's going to have a hangover, his yard's a mess. So you're like, I'm going to go clean up his yard. Well, let's say you do that for eight weeks in a row. And then he comes out of his house that nine week and you didn't, you haven't cleaned up his yard. Then he's going to be mad. Cause he's going to be like, why aren't you cleaning up my yard? Cause, <laughs> cause we trained him that we were going to go clean up his yard, which didn't belong to us. That's another type of boundary breach where we take the natural consequences of someone else's choices and we take them on ourselves mm. and we train them that we're going to do that. And so then they expect us to do that. Yeah. And so that's a lot about boundaries is that we train people what to expect from us. So if someone is expecting us to act a certain kind of way, if they've been around us a while, then that means we've trained them to expect that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That becomes a bad situation. You know, kind mm -hmm. of like a codependent thing because like you go and, and now you, now you're kind of subjecting yourself to them and they're thinking that you, you're their kind of cleanup person. Yeah, because <laughs> you've trained you them that you were up going for, to. They, yeah, no, it's like it's not your you stuff. <laughs> yep. And but then that yeah. person will say, "My neighbor expects me to clean his yard," and I'm like, "Okay, well, why does your neighbor expect that?" And then, like it. It, with my patient, <laughs> will say, "Well, I guess I went over there and cleaned up the yard." And I said, "That's interesting. How long did you do that?" Oh, about eight weeks. I'm like. So you went over and cleaned up his mess for eight weeks in a row. Now he expects you to clean it up and you're surprised. Yeah. It's like, we have to own that. Yeah. Cause you might want the neighborhood to look a certain way and you get embarrassed if the neighborhood looks bad, but he didn't care about that. Right. And it's really not your responsibility. And then maybe there's other things you could do because like, 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 I don't you know. He's bringing the neighborhood down. Maybe I need to do something and uh, about that from some other perspective, but not take it on myself. Mm -hmm. you know, if there's a homeowner's association, like, Hey, like what's going on with this? You know, do it yeah, from exactly. a, a standpoint that like it's the right way to do it. You know? Right. Um, yeah. A lot of people, you know, they don't, they don't think about things in a holistic way or they kind of a reactive way. Like I always like to be proactive. I like to plan when I can, but then I like, you know, you take the moments as they come. So yeah, you know, if you're if you're gonna be an artist, you try to plan, right? You try to have a project, you plan, but then you don't say, well, if I, then something unplanned happens and it's like throws the whole thing off, it's like you kind of expect there's gonna be this random stuff, 
and and but you have an overall idea like oh well, i'm gonna get this done in three months you know because yeah. that's when i want to target it and so you try to you know have like this idea of understanding what's around you know to a certain extent but it's well, always and you're it's able, always you're kind better of, able to do that if you like your your uh, your schedule and your plan you're much better able to do that if you have healthy boundaries and you don't have toxic people that are sucking you, sucking your energy from you and telling you, you should be doing this. You should be over here doing that. And so instead of sticking to your plan, you're doing what other people are telling you that you should do because you don't feel like you can tell them no. And then your plan goes right out the window. So it's like setting healthy boundaries helps creative people to have that space to be creative. Yeah, I've, I've run into people that miss all their deadlines because of that kind of scenario. Somebody mm-hmm. comes in off the cuff and then they totally drop everything. And this other person, they drop everything and they keep on trying to people please. And they totally yep. miss all the things that were important to them. Yes. Because they're trying to please everybody else. Yes. And then they become 100%. like, then they get, then they kind of get a reputation of being unreliable because they keep on missing all the stuff. And then they're, they're thinking like, well, how come people think of me this way? Well, because you keep on missing all the goalposts. That's it. Because because you are this way. Knocked off the trail. (laughs) And it's like, and why are you why are you being this way? Because this person wants this from you, and you just go off and do it. Why do you do that when you had your plan, and you had what you wanted to accomplish, and yet you're just going off sideways because this other person made you feel some kind of way? It's like, no, you. That's a that's a personal boundary and it's also a boundary with someone else that needs to be set i think it's really important for uh you know people to look at what you're talking about with the boundaries because i think a lot of people um could probably find out find places in their lives where they they could do better mm-hmm. with what where their uh where their boundaries are because like yes. given 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 certain people or certain situations you might feel you have boundaries with this individual or this group but then don't have it with this other group mm-hmm and so like everybody could probably find like, you know, shades of gray where they're on this scale where they think they're doing better than they are. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. And basically if you ask yourself, do I have trouble saying no to someone or a situation? That's, there's a lot of different questions you can ask yourself, but that's a helpful one. That's a really kind of a basic, easy to remember question. If you're in a situation with yourself or with someone else, and you find yourself needing or wanting to say no, but you feel like you can't, you feel like you're scared to say no, you feel like you just, you can't quite get the word out. Mm. More than likely, that is a boundary issue. Definitely. So mm-hmm. I, I'm glad that we had this conversation today. It's like, it's the time always goes by quicker than I think. We, we hit our hour mark, but um, want everybody to check out your website, danaskags.com. Again, if people go there, they can, um, they, they can, uh, what they fill questionnaires and they can start to approach like what services they want. From yeah, you there's a quiz. Out. Yeah, there's a quiz they can take to just find out if they do have boundary issues in their life and it gives them a score. And there's also tidbits of things they can kind of put into place in their life. And there's also a possibility to take a self-study courses, a shorter one and a longer one, and also a group course that I'll be starting one. I think it's starting the end of this month, the 29th of June. And there's, I think, if I'm not mistaken, there might be two or three slots left in that first group course 
Um, but there'll, awesome. but there'll be more courses starting later in the year. It's great, you know, that we have this tool of podcasting to, to reach out to people. Uh, you know, I've been taking advantage of it since 2016, and it just keeps on getting bigger and bigger. And uh, I'm just glad that we talked. And I, I think that my audience, uh, no matter what you do in your life, I think you can listen to this conversation and you could, uh, you know, I think you can you can learn from the, the boundary discussions we've had and kind of do that. That, that initial questioning that you were saying, like, and, and and determine like maybe you need to check this out. So again, this will be clickable on the fully published podcast. We we are on almost every platform our podcast can be listened to and watched. So we'll have that to your audience, a landing page later today, where they can figure out where they want to watch or listen um, based on what they where they like to watch or listen. But thank okay. you again for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. I enjoyed talking with you. Thank you very much. Have a great um, day. You know, here in New Hampshire, we're we're just a little overcast today, but um, maybe I'll still do my walk in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Bye bye. Yeah.